Good morning. Okay, so as you guys may know, we've been in a series called Teach Us to Pray, where we've been looking at the Bible, looking through scripture and what we can learn about how we pray. And today we are in the book of Acts, in a passage in Acts 4, 23 to 31. So I'm going to give you some context. The Holy Spirit has been poured out and the apostles have been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the birth of the church. God is moving in power. We're seeing the kingdom breaking through. And two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, they head out and they go and they perform the first miracle that we see post-Pentecost. And there's a man who was lame. He was over 40 years old and they pray for him. He was a beggar. They say, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, walk And this man is healed, he walks, and everyone is astonished. And so they explain that this wasn't their own doing, this wasn't in their power, but it was by the name of Jesus that that man was healed. And on that day, their number grew to almost 5,000 believers. But at the same time, we had the Sadducees and the religious leaders in the temple who were not happy about this. They weren't happy that they were preaching in the name of Jesus. And so they arrested them. They put them in prison overnight. And the next day they threatened them and told them, you're not allowed to speak in the name of Jesus. To which they said, who do we report to, God or you? And they threatened them more and more. And then they left. And, And this is where we start today. This is where we find ourselves. In a place where God is moving. He's building his kingdom on earth. He's doing the stuff that, that we pray for. He's, he's moving, he's progressing, and yet there's a level of kickback or there's a level of resistance. They were stepping into the fullness of what God had told them that they would do. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet there was still darkness and resistance against them. And so today we're going to think about how do we respond when we're pressing in, we're contending, and we see kickback or we see darkness. How do we pray? And as you know, as a church, we've been contending for a spiritual awakening in Croydon and beyond. We've been contending that the Lord would move in power, that he would be breaking into the darkest corners of Croydon, and people would be coming to life in Jesus. And we've been seeing God move. We've been seeing him do things in our church, in families, in friendships, in workplaces. And yet at the same time, we still see darkness like we've seen this week. As you've heard of the 15-year-old girl who was stabbed outside Whitgift Centre in Croydon on Wednesday. And her life ended shortly after. This is a tragedy. These, these things are tough. They feel like the enemy tries to take a step forward and, and reclaim ground. And it has a ripple on effect in Croydon and in people's hearts. We've prayed about that this morning. And for me as a youth pastor, obviously this is quite heavy. Um, I feel quite emotional. This is really hard. And so how do we respond I started prepping this talk last week before Wednesday. And so in some beautiful way, it's God's grace. This passage kind of has walked me through this week and I've seen God stay true to his word. So I hope that whatever I share, there'll be some encouragement for you today as well. So let's read the passage. It's Acts 4, 23 to 31. It says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. 
Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So what do we do? How do we respond in prayer when there are tough times and dark times like these? The first thing we do is we press in. Can everyone say press in? So verse 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So we press in, we press into God, we press into community, we press into his church. In the scriptures, the last time we saw Peter and, and John face some kind of resistance or like uh, opposition was when they were with Jesus on the night that he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I don't know if you remember, but the way they responded then wasn't to press in, it was to flee. It was to run from Jesus. But now, knowing who Jesus is and tasting and seeing of his kingdom and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, their response is different. They've learned that when times are tough, you don't run away, but you press in, you move towards Jesus, you move towards his community, you come around the believers and you tell people, not just the easy stuff, but you tell them the threats, you tell them your hardship, you tell them the struggles, as people have done this morning, and come forward when they're brokenhearted and the Lord has ministered. So when we feel discouraged, and when life is tough, and when we're struggling, I just want us to reflect, what do we do? What's, what's our response? Because I know sometimes the urge might be to isolate, to, to pull back and be like, no, I'll come back when I'm all together, and I've got everything sorted out, and to retreat. And there are reasons in our minds why we might think that's a rational thing to do or why that would be a good thing to do. For Peter and John, they were leaders. Maybe they thought if they come forward and say they're struggling in some way that people might be discouraged or it might rock, rock their faith. Maybe for us, we might fear of being a burden to others or what if people don't respond well when we're vulnerable. Maybe we might feel ashamed by our response, like it shows a lack of faith to be upset or to be, to, to, to be worried that people might think that well, people might see us differently if we're struggling. Or maybe we don't want to bring the mood down. But I'm encouraged by Jesus because in the Garden of Gethsemane, in his darkest moment, he brought others in. He wanted community around him. He, he asked them to pray, they kind of fell asleep. But, you know, he, he wanted people around him. And knew that, that was that was a good thing to do. And so Peter and John, they reported all of the threats that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And they could have easily masked it and said, oh, you know, someone was, someone was healed today and, and been really, really happy and joyful. But this just goes to show there is a time and there is a space to be vulnerable and to be honest and open about what you're going through, about what you're feeling, about what, how you're responding to the situations around you. And the best place to do that is in community, in God's church, which is why we talk so much about small groups. We talk so much about the huddles that have started in them. We press in, we press into God's community. And I know um, in my small group a few weeks ago, we were having a conversation about um, how do we resp- when, when do we pray the most? Is it when things are going well or things are going tough and people had different responses? And for me, I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I think I pray more when, when situations are tough. But I realized my instinct is to go and retreat and close myself up in my room and like journal a lot and like pray to God and be like, okay, cool, we've sorted it. But recently I found that I do that and 
God brings revelation, but it's when I go to people and when I talk to them about it and when they pray for me that the situations seem to shift. It's almost like the Lord uses his church. He's created us as a body and we all play a part and he uses us to minister to one another and to build up his church so that we can go out and we can minister to others as well. So we all play a part when we press in. And I think maybe Leon or Tom mentioned it a few weeks ago about the Lord's Prayer. Like Jesus did go and he retreated and he spent time in prayer on his own. But also the Lord's Prayer is like our Father. It's give us our daily bread, forgive us, lead us. There's something powerful when we press in as a community and we pray together. And so for some of you today, I was going to say you might feel heavy hearted. Maybe, maybe you didn't come forward earlier um, and there's, there's just a bit of a burden in your heart. Or maybe you feel like you don't really deserve to feel upset because your situation's not as bad as someone else's. Or maybe what's happened this week has brought up your own grief or your own past mistakes or traumas or upsets. Regardless of what it is, like Peter and John in this passage, we can press into God's community, into his church, and be open about those struggles. The word says it's not good for man to be alone, and God doesn't like isolation. He brings us together. So we press in. But then what do we do? What do we do when we're together? And as followers of Jesus, when we gather in times of trouble, our call is to pray out. Can everyone say pray out? So verse 24, it says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And he said, sovereign Lord. So we pray out when, when we come together and raise our voices to the one who is sovereign over all, to this God who is near to the brokenhearted, who is an unchanging anchor in dark times and who gives wisdom and perspective through all. That's the best place to be. He is our firm foundation. In the midst of all that's going on, when, when there's darkness around, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's firm. And so we, we raise our voices to him because he is sovereign, because he has the best responses. He knows, he knows the end from the beginning. And in times of trouble and hardship and kickback, it can be so easy to gather and just talk about how horrible Croydon is, how bad our situations are, how corrupt people are, and how scary it is, how dark the times are. But in doing that, we're focusing on, we're focusing on the negative when God wants us to fix our eyes on him and bring it to him, but we pray to him. And I think it's natural and probably human for us to feel like a... Like, that was stirred when there's injustice, almost like that heavy-hearted feeling. But the Bible doesn't tell us to just hold on to that. It says, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares about you. We haven't been made to hold all of that and carry that. We, we bring that to the foot of the cross. And so if we just carry it and we share it with one another and just call it a day and we don't pray or bring it to the Lord, then we can indirectly build up like an echo chamber of fear or we can, we can build up idols in Croydon or in our lives and speak words that are not of God's heart in the situation where those feelings brought to God, would, he, would, he would be able to steward them well and help us through it. So I'm going to use a few examples in the Bible of this. There's one in, in the Old Testament, if anyone knows of Joshua and Caleb. It was when Moses was leading the Israelites and there were the 12 tribes. The Lord was leading them into the promised land and he sends he sent 12 spies, one from each tribe, to go and scout the land that it was being sent into. And as they went, they saw the different food and what the environment was like. And they came back and they reported to the people of Israel. And they said, oh, yeah, that, all the food is right. But they've got these, these descendants of Anak, who was a giant. And so they had this thing, which was almost like the kickback. It was like the barrier. It was like the thing that, that was scaring them. 
And instead of focusing on the sovereign Lord who said he was going to take them into this place and that he was going to give them this land, it says in Numbers 13, 32, that they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And then it goes on in Numbers 14 to say, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. So where God calls us to raise our voices in prayer with one another, because they focused on the obstacle that was in their way, instead of the sovereign Lord who could help them through that, they used their voice to weep out loud and to speak negatively over the situation that God wanted to bring breakthrough in. But here in the book of Acts, the believer's instant response to trouble wasn't to focus on on the negative thing that was said and to let it build in the community. Their response was to say, Sovereign Lord, and to come together and to pray for those who needed prayer. And in one accord, they lifted their voice because they know that Jesus is the one who can change situations. He's the one who has the power and the authority and the wisdom and the perspective that they don't have. And I think part of... The beauty of being a follower of Jesus is that we know we can look to God. There's so much hopelessness in Croydon. There's so much hopelessness in our world, but we have Jesus. We have the firm foundation that we can stand on, and we know that he is sovereign. We know we can go to him. And when we do, when we come together and we, we raise a shout with one another in prayer, we see kind of like what happened at the wall of Jericho. So that descendant, um, that generation, they didn't make it into the promised land. But Joshua, the Lord used him to lead the Israelites, the, the, the following generation, into the promised land. And they had to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. And in Joshua 6.20, this is what it says they had to do. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, the men gave a loud shout and the walls collapsed. And so there's a difference from the last time where they focused on fear. This time they said, uh-uh, we're not focusing on that. We're going to follow what the Lord has said. We're going to raise our voices and we're going to shout to him and trust in him as a sovereign Lord. And the walls came down. And I think that's a physical representation of what happens when we come together and we pray. There's a spiritual change. Walls come down. And when they finished raising a shout in, in the book of Acts, they were all empowered by the Holy Spirit and the place was shaken. So what, what would that look like if, if when we come together and we have burdens and we bring them to one another, we raise a shout for one another? What would God do? And so that's an encouragement for us to keep doing that. And we're stronger together. Final illustration. Who was here a few weeks ago when we had our family fun day in the summer? Was anyone here? We had like all the inflatables and the ice cream van and candy floss and all that stuff. Okay, hands up if you took part in any of the tug-of-war matches. Okay, we're going to have a little look at one of them right now. It was, I think, the worship, audiovisual, and sound team versus the under-18 team and hosting. So let's have a little look. If it, is there a sound? If there's not sound, I'm going to have to... Under-18 team and hosting, one. <laughs> uh, 
So what you saw there was a tug-of-war match. And initially, it didn't look like we were doing too well. But then someone said three, two, I don't know who it was. They said three, two, one, heave, heave, heave. And then everyone raised their voices together. And in one accord, we were able to tug and we won. And it was beautiful. <laughs> and I think that's just another representation of what it's like when we don't fight these battles on our own. We don't keep these, this brokenheartedness to ourselves. We come together and we fight together in one accord and we raise our voices and we say, come, come Lord Jesus, sovereign Lord, you are good. And with the apostles or with the church, when they were praying, they were praying scripture. They were praying the reality of, they, they, they looked through scripture and they found out actually, you know what, Jesus, it was prophesied that he would go through persecution as well, that there would be troubles that he would go through. And he didn't stop what the Lord was asking him to do because of those situations. He kept walking in faith. He kept moving and doing the things that God had called him to do. And so they were going to do that too. And so through bringing their brokenness and bringing their struggles to God and raising, a, raising up their cry together in prayer, it re- refocused them on who God is, on what he's done, and what that means for their life. And that's what happens when we come as a church community and we pray for one another and we pray together. So, we number one, what was it? Number two, what was it? Thank you very much. I actually forgot, so I'm glad you said that. Thank you very much. And number three, we press on. We press on. So for Peter and John... Through the prayer, through what Jesus had spoken to them, they knew that he wanted to advance his kingdom through them, that they had a mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so through this, they, they realized, you know what, we can't let this hindrance, we can't let this stop us from advancing God's kingdom and doing what he's called us to do. And so like Peter and Paul, we aren't called to shrink back when times are tough and the Lord will empower us to press on and continue to contend. Because when they were prayed for, they didn't ask for those who persecuted them to to disappear or be thwarted. Their prayers in verse 29 and 30 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They asked the Lord to empower them, give them boldness to continue to press forward with his kingdom. Because Croydon needs Jesus. The people in our life need Jesus. He is our hope. He's our only hope. And the reality is, in, in this situation this last week, we've seen darkness. We've seen it. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is a light in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. And he calls us as his peoples, as his followers. And he says that we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And people don't shine a light and put a bowl on it, but they put it on a stand so that everyone can see it, so that people can know the goodness of God. And in these times, it's not a time for us to shrink back, but it's a time for us to press on, to look to Jesus, to ask him to fill us with boldness in our workplaces as we walk through town and the teams that we serve and wherever we are and ask him to come and use us to minister the love of Jesus and the hope of Jesus to the people who need it. Because he's the one who heals and he saves and he's the one who can turn someone who is a murderer into someone who would be a martyr and would spread the gospel. There's nothing that's too difficult for Jesus to do and he uses us. And so I want that to be an encouragement to everyone today, that Jesus wants to use you, that we can call call on his name today and ask him to fill us with boldness for the task at hand. And like we heard from the apostles and like we saw in Jesus' life, persecution still stands. There will still be troubles, but we can take heart because he's overcome the world and he is with us and his kingdom is everlasting. 
So even though things may come to an end here, and we may see things that are, are difficult, we have a hope in Jesus that this, this isn't the end. This isn't what the rest of eternity will look like. So we press in, we pray out, and we press on. And it's been a tough week. Maybe there are other struggles in your heart that are separate, but I, I can tell you that when we press in and we, we bring those struggles to one another, when we come together to pray concerning those things and realign our, our eyes on the Lord and realign ourselves in God's heart, then we can press on and we can see God's kingdom break through in the midst of the darkness. And to end, I just want to share two stories that young people from DCI, DCI is the Vineyard's like national youth conference that happens every summer. And at the end of it, young people send in stories of what God has been doing in the week. And particularly concerning like this week and young people, I just thought it'd be really helpful to share some stories of what God is doing in young people's lives. So the first one, <clears throat> I lost one of my mates to suicide over a year ago. I was crushed. I felt like I had nothing to live for. A few days later, I go to church. I'm questioning God. Why didn't you save him? A few months go by and I come to DTI. I got prayed for and felt something for the first time. I got up and gave my life to Jesus. And at that moment, I knew he's here to save me. And another story. He's calling me to reach out to my friends and tell them about Jesus so that they too can be freed from the darkness of this world. I'm still journeying through grief, but that's okay because our God is a God of comfort and I can lean on him. I feel my passion for worship leading grown stronger and I can't wait for what God has planned. I've decided to trust in him and hand my life over to him and I cannot wait to discover the ways he will use me to share his amazing message of love. And I just wanted to share those two because these are stories of young people who have gone through hardship, they've gone through grief and yet they've encountered the love of Jesus and it's not only changing their lives but they want to change other people's lives through that. And so... As this week has been tough for young people in Croydon, I just we need to continue to contend for them, continue to ask that the Lord would be breaking their hearts, showing them his love so that they can go, go and they can minister to their own generation because they'll do it best. So, yeah, thank you.